Hello, and welcome y'all. It is December the 6th, and my clock here says it is 10.30 a.m. here in the city. What time is it in your world? What is time anyway? Is it a circle or some shit? Shit, I don't know, that's for sure. Well, uh, anyway, I'm coming at you live from 694.2 PTBP, this dimension's best radio show that is fueled by dumpster meat of varying quality. I've got a Howlin' with Wolf here from an anonymous source. Remember, if you want to write up something for your wolf to howl, tag at PretendingPod on Instagram or Twitter, tag Pretending to be People on Facebook, or write a five-star review and email us at PretendingPod at gmail.com. This one is a bit unsettling, so no point in settling in. We alone are the last of the line, ascendant when the giants walked, and still clutching to power when the last ragged outpost of our kind fell to internal ruin. Our line will rule again. There are secrets buried still, lost in the deserts forgotten in places where man cannot go. Our illusion is perfect. We walk unseen through their streets, in the child scrawl of their world before us, and we resist the call to feed. The smells, the meat. We resist, for there is clarity in starvation. Just as in our disguises there is freedom among the savages. And then, in the desert where we buried our last machines, there is salvation. Well, fuck. Once they started talking about meat, I just kinda lost track there, y'all. Anyway, things aren't any cleaner or clearer here in the city. It's uncertain. It's impure. It's the news. Stan Manstein left the city asylum, a rare occurrence, in order to speak at the funeral of his daughter, Ari Manstein. He was accompanied by three guards, all made out of flesh and wire. He spoke in a strange tongue, and the world slowed down around our three officers, who heard Stan speak inside the heads, telling the story of a particular past of the town of contention. Clark Bishop shot Stan Manstein mid-story, bringing the world up to speed and causing full-blown chaos at this funeral. People began to run for their lives as our obliviously intrepid heroes fought, shot, and demolished the large guards made of blood and metal. Keith Vigna plugged Stan Manzine's wounds with his fingers, giving him just enough strength to complete his story and blip out of existence. John Lee Pettymore IV, inside the body of his adopted father, John Lee Pettymore III, who the officers met as Kevin, Marvin Glass's head of security, tried to explain that whole convoluted mess to his former co-workers. The officers took stock of their situation, trying to remember where the weird items they'd found are currently located. Last we saw, John Lee Pettymore put his hands up to his head, and his eyes turned white. Man, I tell you what, I left contention because of all this weird nonsense, but it seems to have followed me to the city. Wolf. Oh no, Wolf. What if you're the source of all this pain and suffering? What if I am the center from which all struggles emanate from? The pulsating heart of darkness. Does it all come from little Wolfie? Uh, probably not.
I have a message here from my producer. They say we are sitting at 84 reviews on iTunes. That's about 16 reviews short of being real nice. And 336 short of being real nice. So we got a super special announcement in mind for when we hit that 100 review mark. You'll be happy. Wolf will be happy. And when Wolf is happy, he claps his hands on the three and the four. It's Kudzu with no backbone. John, as your eyes roll backward, your vision goes dark. Images begin flashing through your mind, just snippets, moments, and you try to keep up. As the speed of the sequence waxes and wanes, you see a motel safe, shiny, black, and closed. You see the sign for Beans Pond, the little pond behind Chief Maggie Cook's house in contention. You see a television. It is blinking with different letters on it. R-S-T-L-N-E. You see a small clearing in the woods, and the ground is scorched. In a dark room, lit by various electronics and machines, you see a massive, shiny metal sphere, 20 feet tall, with silvery arms extending from either side. A tube connects this gargantuan ball to a machine below. The machine begins whirring, and you see a small metal sphere, roughly one inch in diameter, begin moving up through the tubing into the larger, armed version of itself. As this happens, a vast circle opens up in the ceiling, and a disorienting amount of light and sound pours into the room, revealing text painted on the back wall that says the same thing you hear violently chanted by an unseen crowd. Planet Juggernaut. (laughs) the scene changes again and you see marvin glass standing at his desk in the grand room you recently stood in as kevin alongside rosemary marvin is holding the odd camera with glass tubes closely inspecting it tapping its lit red luminaire on his desk are two file folders splayed open entitled the real files on Clark Bishop <laughs> and Keith Vigna, contention police officers. Subtitled, Oh, that cunning Marvin Glass. Subtitled, Zach was being lazy. Oh, okay. That's less satisfying. You can see in Keith's file are various clippings about the Beans family, the tragic The tragic, accidental deaths of William and Lena, Keith's parents, the takeover of the family business by Ferguson. In Clark's file, there is a newspaper article about the murderer who killed Clark Bishop's parents, Anne Love. There is a mugshot of a woman smiling, a cold, vacant smile behind asymmetrical bangs covering one of her eyes. Written in Sharpie underneath the mugshot, it says in all caps, 
Karen. Your vision readjusts, and you're standing in the mid-morning sunlight near your partners, Clark Bishop and Keith Vigna, in the wake of a funeral gone terribly awry. That was, uh, that's one hell of an info dump. <laughs> Zach, you will, you will be pleased to know that I already have, um, and love and Karen written down in my notes. Oh, yes, please. But oh. I don't expect the, like the listeners to remember all the fucking shit that happened to John Lee Pettimore four or five episodes ago. Sure. Cause I didn't, I <laughs> had to go back I, and listen to that. I listened to it again and wrote it all down on my phone. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, with that, I need you to lose 10 luck. Mm hmm. Uh, let me find my character sheet. Luck. Okay, I'm at 20 luck now. Down to 20 luck. No longer able to survive yeah. if you die. But I can avoid major damage yeah. and some other things. Alrighty, let's get the other boys in the room and kick this thing off. Let's do it. Ramona. Ramona. My Ramona. Ramona. Meow, 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 meow. Ramona. Woof. Diary. Diary. Diarrhea, I love you. Diarrhea. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I love you. Diarrhea. 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 I think we can get him on the podcast. He's probably dead. I bet it's pretty easy to get the Numa Numa guy on the podcast if he's not dead. What do you think he's up to these days? He's either dead or he's making shitty podcast appearances. <laughs> <laughs> he was a question on Ask Me Another a couple weeks ago. The Numa Numa guy was the answer? Yeah. Nice. Did they accept the Numa Numa guy? Was that the answer or did they have to know his name or something? Oh, no, it was gotcha. the Numa You had to guy. know Boris Fonkskold. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> his name is actually Dr. Carbuncle McFeezer. <laughs> <laughs> little shout out to the Patreon listeners. Yeah. Uh, last week. Dr. Uh, Carbohydrate on, Uncle. On Monday, we released our second patreon exclusive episode in which we played everyone is john it was delightful it was a lot of fun it was it's where we all play john peters in the moments before his death in the moments before he turns into a dog you try to save john peters let's play this day old game i'm gonna vape in the mic real quick throw it back to the old days man i wish you wouldn't do that we didn't even do that in the old days. It's, fucking, <laughs> it's on, I think, the first episode. <laughs> yeah, anyway. and it's in your instantly reprimanded. <laughs> Keith Vigna and Clark Bishop, you look over, and the eyes that have rolled back into the back of John's head are now right back where eyes normally are, and he looks at you with a startle. John? What's going on? A lot. <laughs> what? Yeah. Are you, are, are you with us? All right, well, so, boys, I don't know how to tell you, but I think I developed the second sight. At least I believe I developed the second sight in my transition from John to Kevin. What did you just perhaps see? I, perhaps I just unlocked something I always had within me, but I feel slightly less lucky, and here's what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw a motel safe in Hotel Motel. Oh, shit. I saw Beans Pond behind Maggie's house. I saw a television blink, blinking random letters, perhaps not so random. And I, I saw a small clearing in the woods where the ground was scorched. I saw some other things, too. Marvin Glass has the camera. 
it's it's currently in his possession. So, uh, what else I saw was perhaps too terrible to repeat right now. I know what you saw. The lockbox, the safe at Hotel Motel. Yeah. I have I have my brother's watch in there. I got it after his unfortunate demise, but I put it on and some real weird shit happened. I felt like I was like on an alternate plane while I had it on and I knew I had to take it off. I know it means something, but I I couldn't have it on my body because it was just doing some fucked up shit. So I threw it in my safe in my hotel motel room. Keith, can you describe that alternate plane? Was it as though the ground were made of light? No. I just, I, it's not that it took me physically somewhere else. I was still in contention or around there, but in my mind I was seeing different stuff. It was hard to decipher what was real and what I was seeing, but I knew it was something if just felt evil and I had to throw it in that safe because I thought the longer I had it on, the the weirder shit was going to happen. And I, it's it means something, I'm sure, but we'll, we'll have to go check that out. And I think with the three of us together, because I was by myself when I had it on, so I think had I had it on just by myself for a while I might have gone insane or something that uh, that watch didn't have tubes like all of our other objects did no it? it's just a just looks like a nice like gold Rolex watch does bean spawn mean anything to y'all I mean it's at behind Maggie's house and yeah I just I, I believe I have the second side and when I thought about the objects these are the things I saw and I, I saw Marvin Glass with the camera but then, I don't know, it sounds like Keith's describing an object of, of power that he put in that safe. What, what can be in these other places? The, uh, those letters on the television. Did you, uh, you happen to remember them? I do. R. L. T. N. L. N. E. E. What? <laughs> Were you saying that right or wrong? <laughs> I was to... <laughs> that was incredible. Because I, I said S and you said L, but I have a T. There's an L in there though. In there, yeah. After the T, yeah. I, I know. I know what those are, John and I, Keith. You even might know what those are. R S T L N E. Well, well, that's R E L S T. That's the Wheel of Fortune letters. Exactly. They're the letters <laughs> they give you at the end of Wheel of Fortune. But that's that's not all, fellas. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> wow, I, I never would have imagined. When I, uh, f- fellas, when I came to, I, uh, well, Keith, you don't, <laughs> Keith, I got to show you something. And Clark pulls up his shirt and shows Keith. Holy shit. All right. <laughs> Keith, when Clark lifts up his shirt, you see that there is a hole in Clark's chest as if his body has been gauged like an earlobe. So where it's kind of healed over through. Can I see all the way there's through? There's a skin tunnel leading you through his body. When I woke up with this, I had a I had a bag with me and there was, there was, well, I, what I think is my heart in the bag with ice. But next to it was another bag and it had those letters in it. That's fucked up, man. It's somebody who knew 
that I watch Wheel of Fortune every night. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, well, that's oh, all right. So one thing I also saw, uh, Marvin Glass knows a lot more about us than we might have originally suspected. Um, he, he knows a lot. He knows everything about your history. Oh, shit, Clark. I've got something to tell you. I don't. You might already know. All right, boys. Let me actually start at the beginning. We're not the first group of three to try to combat this kind of stuff. What, what do you mean? Before us, there was a group called K-Cell. K-Cell was Kevin, who you see standing before you. Your, your father. Adopted father, yeah. What? So it was Kevin, a man named Kyle, and a woman named Karen, also known as Ann Love. What the? Ann Love killed your parents. Clark stares in bewilderment and a little bit of like anger just at hearing the name. I, I don't know why. Marvin Glass turned the group against itself and Karen was the only one to get away. He, he made Kevin shoot Kyle, and, and he essentially took over, took over his life, his soul, in some way. And Kevin was his soldier from then on out. Marvin Glass was looking for, for the metal sphere. He has one. That's what Agent McKinley and Kennedy were trying to neutralize was a silver ball like that. Yeah. Why does he want him? I don't know. I saw something... I saw something pretty terrible just now. All these people want these spheres. We found one. Marvin Glass was wanted one for years. He has one. He wants to know how it works. Just now, just now, I had a vision of something, something strange and terrible. It was like one of those spheres, but massive, gigantic, gargantuan. It had arms coming out the side and a little tube coming out the bottom and up that tube I watched one of those spheres go one of the small spheres and a a huge light opened up in the ceiling it was like the ceiling was was revealing itself so this thing could could come through and all around I saw these letters these words it said planet juggernaut like that fucking the bedding stub we found yeah exactly Keith Clark. <laughs> sorry, sorry, the transition to my new body has uh, wrecked havoc on some of my neurons. <laughs> I don't even know if I have neurons, really. Shouldn't I have this asshole's memories? Do I have this asshole's memories? I'll try to access this asshole's memories. Uh, while not being able to access the memories of Kevin previous to you being inside of his body, you think that that might be a hint as to why you have, quote, the second sight. Interesting. Guys, I was just, I'm thinking about what we heard Stan talking about earlier. Oh, yeah. Thinking about it more. When I had Fergie's watch on, I remember, well, it clouded my mind because I felt like I was going inside. Inside and in the membrane. In the membrane. Inside in the brine. That's how they sing it in English. I remember, That's how Chick Fil A makes their chicken. Ooh. Oh god, <laughs> that sounds good. 
I remember it's coming back to me. I when I had it on, one of the feelings I had was like I felt like wet grass and dirt on my fingers, and I remember seeing a metal door like buried almost slightly underneath this grass and 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 dirt, and it said, "Here lies the beans." scientists beyond measure saviors of the world and as soon as i saw that i think that's when i had ripped the watch off of my arm and went and thrown it into the safe so like are you more capable than you've been letting on are you a scientist without measure no. Do you feel that within yourself? I think. <laughs> <laughs> I <No>. come. <laughs> I am almost positive that somewhere along the beans line, I, there's something I don't know. It could be my parents. It could be my grandparents. But it was somebody related to you yes. that came in and solved their uh, Silas and Mary Cole problem back in the day. It was. It was Cornelius Beans and. Somewhere down the line, I don't know who would have been the scientist, but we, I don't know where to find whatever I saw in that, but I feel as if it's real, and we, I think maybe there's something in that that we need to check out. I might know a little bit something about that. What do you think? Well, I know that I personally came from Cole's orphanage. John Lee Pettymore III adopted me from there. I don't know who my real parents are. Cole's Orphanage, new school under modern etiquette. So, Kevin, John, everything you're saying right now is going a little bit above my head. You're adopted by John Lee Pettymore, but you're in Kevin's body, but you're in your dad's body? The only, oh, right, John Lee Pettymore III is Kevin. He was part of KSL, remember? But here's the point. I, I think maybe the Beans adopted you, too. I think maybe we all spent some time in Cole's orphanage. orphanage. No, my parents were my parents. How can you be so sure? They were my parents, Keith. How are you sure about anything? You know what we've been through the past six fucking days? How can you be sure of anything? I'm not sure of anything. I'm sure they were my parents, Keith. They had to have been. Uh, You know, my daddy was my daddy. And your daddy is your daddy. We just came from different penises. (laughs) (laughs) than the ones what raised us where were we (laughs) my brother from another penis (laughs) (laughs) where were we when we had that spell cast on us as children oh that was that was at clankers at the at the daycare daycare yeah okay well why were we all at that same daycare together if we might not have all come from the same orphanage you ever think about that clark i mean Harry's the only daycare in town, I just figured. Yeah, that one's... Okay. That's a little tough to say, because it's not like... There's not great child care options in contention. <laughs> it's it's the bar. It's, yeah. it's, it's the bar. Like They're the only ones that's willing true. to do it. I so. love cut-up hot dogs and Bud Light. I, so that's, that's a... <laughs> I'll always have a soft spot for that. Bud Light. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to ask someone who's not Harry Clinker to watch your kids? <laughs> What would Harry say? He's the best one for the job, obviously. Well, did he, it'd be crushed. <laughs> Thirty-six, John. Yeah, do you, shout out, <laughs> John. Do you have any? Did do you see anything else? Or that's a lot of information to take in. But I, I think we I know to, it's like an info dump. But uh. <laughs> Keith, I gotta, I gotta ask you something. It's, it's kind of tough though. Yeah. 
Well, I've had a tough week, so I think I can handle it. You know, my, my memory's been pretty dang spotty lately, but one of the last things I do remember was we were standing in Glass's office, and boy, it sounded an awful lot like he hired you to kill your brother. And you, you, you asked where the money was. Well, since, I mean, we're all working together again, I don't know what the point in hiding this from you is anymore, but uh, I didn't know that it was Marvin Glass hiring me to do this. My my niece, she found me and she offered me a million dollars to kill her dad. And I don't know that I've talked a lot about Fergie, but uh, it's not... It's common knowledge that him and I didn't get along since since we were boys. In fact, I hated him. And so when that opportunity arose, I never thought about killing my brother, but the chance to become a millionaire and get rid of that asshole, I jumped at it. So I went and uh, I didn't kill my brother, but I guess you could say if it wasn't for me, he'd still be alive today. So... Uh, when I saw my niece with Marvin Glass and the scientist lady, I knew what I had gotten myself into. Did you recognize that scientist lady? Was she anybody no. to you? only person in that glass building I knew was my niece. I had no idea she was affiliated with people like that. Keith, I, I happened to encounter your niece's, your niece's bedroom, and she's getting up to all kinds of weird, impossible math. <laughs> Does that math. sound... Yeah, she she was she was writing out equations that couldn't have been from this world. Well, you know, if there's anything you want your niece to be into, math isn't that bad. Uh, yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> it could be one letter off. Uh, no, I, the thing is, I don't know much. I haven't been moth. <laughs> yeah, moth. I had I hadn't I have not been in contact with my niece. It seemed at the time that uh, that that scientist lady was maybe training her in some way. I mean, I kind of got that idea too, but I was mostly just pissed off that I've. I think they were trying to screw. Me. I don't think they had any intent on giving me that million dollars. That's the reason I was even gonna work for Marvin was to repay the debt of him rebuilding me, and he said he'd give me that million dollars. Keith, did you know you was saved by fishmen? I, I, yes, I saw them and. What do you think about what do you think about that? Uh, I don't know what. Who do you think made them fishmen? Can we get? We, I just saw a reaction shot from Clark Bishop's. <laughs> fishmen. My my already spinning head is spinning even wild more wildly. Uh, fish. Fishman, man with the face of fishes. So I saw. I was much more concerned about getting out of Glasses Building. I saw them, and it freaked me the fuck out. But I did get help from a fish boy, uh, so they're not all bad. <laughs> oh my! They're doing God. some weird shit over in that glass building. I I assure you, I can't. What are they? I don't fucking know. I got the. I I got out of there. I accepted. I accepted the proposition from Marvin Glass, and I came to the funeral. That's all I know. Fish boy. You were talking to a fish boy? Peter. Little Peter. Oh, my God. My God. What are fish... What are fish people doing? I don't know, but they... Apparently, I don't know how I got rebuilt, other than 
the power of Marvin Glass. You but keep saying rebuilt. I mean, what does that even mean? I died. Oh, yeah. I'm they, back. I. They said he was the new Charles. You want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> <laughs> That's a big one you got on your hand there. Yeah. Clark. That'll come into play later. Are you not going to give him credit for shouting out our favorite movie in the precinct? <laughs> the one we all used to watch together. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective? No. Batman Forever? That one. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, obviously you can see the scars. I'm not exactly sure what's going on in here. Uh, I I have a slight idea, but uh, I I don't know. I don't want... I don't really want to talk about it until I figure it out. But I don't. There's nothing you need to worry about. I'm on your side. I promise. <laughs> and that sounds that sounds real suspicious, but I mean it. I promise. We talked about this already. John Kevin's eyes narrow. <laughs> John, you, you mentioned that uh, that those silver balls that everybody's apparently after, and that you said something about Marvin wanting to use it. Do you know what that means? Years ago, when when Marvin turned. Kevin on Kyle. The thing he wanted to know was how the balls worked, what they did. I haven't seen anything suggesting what that is other than making the big ball work. Do you think that there might be some of those silver balls in the silver balls? In the gun and the camera and the radio and the helmet? That's interesting. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, Keith, but I mean, who knows? We we considered them pretty important, so we never cracked them open, but... I don't know that we should, but... We've, we've only got one, correct? We've got the ball. Uh-huh, one silver ball, Yeah, we, right? we put our... It disappeared into our, our bag, but I think that bag's still... That wasn't ours. No, the I, agents brought uh, one. Uh, we got one. I think it's still in the skull of that lady, right? No, J- John has it. <laughs> you do? <laughs> John just picked it up. He's had it ever since. Is it at your house or? No, I don't know how much that's my house anymore. I mean, I still like Smokey, but uh, <laughs> here's the thing, boys. That was kind of always on my person. I just had it in my pocket. I didn't. I, it's. I, it was a comforting weight. I didn't know what it did. Uh, so you're saying it was on. The old John. It was on John. Your previous John. Yeah. So Marvin has it? Most likely, yes. Okay. You know, a lot, a lot's happened in a real short amount of time. Real, real quick for us. Sure, absolutely. It could get a little head spinning. But uh, Agent uh, McKinley and Agent Kennedy, they, they tasked us with neutralizing the threat, I believe, was part of their MO, and then we were supposed to call them back. They're they're twisting in the wind right now, as far as I know. Yeah, shouldn't they be doing something? Who do they work for? Are they gl- on the glass well, payroll? Well, they said the FBI, but who knows? Also, it's been a hell of a week. I yes, don't. Man. All my days are running together. How long ago was it that we saw Agent McKinley? Two days. Two ago? Two days ago. Well, what did they they ta- they said? If we didn't call back in 48 hours, we're probably coming they'd up to call that us. mark. You would assume, based on the timing, that it is right about now that, that they would be calling it, yeah. the contention police department. Um, and I'm all out of minutes. I want to <laughs> do you guys. I want to call Drew real quick. You've been in touch with Drew. He I was. You said he. I he have was not voicemail. Yeah, but I want to call him and see if he'll answer. You called him after you listened to the voicemail that he sent, and I believe his phone went straight to voicemail. Yep, and I want to try it again. Bring, bring, bring.
bring, 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 bring. And it does the same this time. Well, so did they say they'd call the police department? I think we were supposed to call them. They gave us a number that we could yeah, call. Yeah, but they said if we didn't call right. within 48 hours, they'd be in contact with us. I think that was the deal. Hopefully they have their self, our cell phone numbers then. Uh, I don't have any idea where that card with their number would be. I mean, we would just have their number, well, I think. I mean, what if we just all go in and start a fucking, you know, like Hot Wings restaurant or something and <laughs> let them take care of contention? They were going to come back in two days. We've got alibis, new lives. We disappeared. If they're working for glass, that's a bad Hot thing. Wings. <laughs> well, if they're working for glass, I don't think they would have given us that bag that gets rid of the balls. They would have taken it. Unless those balls get sent, if they get put in the bag, they get sent to the thing that John saw. I don't know why they would have left the bag with us. Though. That's an interesting proposition. That we would be doing their job for yeah, them. If they're working for glass, we'd find some balls and keep putting them in the bag and they keep going to the... Now maybe, but it seemed like they was awfully scared of those balls. What if we gave them a call? We've got their card. we got their number. What's the worst that can happen? We can try to decide whether we trust him or not. What do you guys think? Both Joe and Clark don't know <laughs> about that. And Keith, I mean, I don't. I mean, who knows who they are though? Now it's going to be a couple hours till they get in contact with us. They told us that we might as well give them a call. See, I don't know that we have the upper hand, but if we have any sort of, if we're doubting that we can trust them. You know, we can call them and see what they're saying, and, and we might try to be able to get something out of them because we know about glass and everything. We might be able to get something out of them before they can, uh, you know, well, get let, to us. Let's 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 take a step back now, fellas, now that we've laid all our cards on the table. What what do we want to do to prevent calamity? I mean, a lot has changed, but... It's, it sounds like the Glass family has some real bad designs on the town of contention. I've seen things that make me think the world's in jeopardy. You, you have the Glass family after you. Maybe the Glass family is our our first thing. The Glass the Glass family thinks you're still one of them. They might still think I'm one of them. And that's the thing is neither of us killed Stan Manstein. No. I might have failed my mission of bringing Stan back, but I didn't kill him. So Absolutely. I may I wouldn't have to infiltrate the Glass building. I could just go in. Maybe under the guise of bringing the guy that killed Stan Manstein in, and then we can, we're all three in there, and if shit goes awry, then we can, uh... I like that a lot. You're gonna use Clark Bishop as your Chewbacca? Yeah, absolutely. This is the man who killed Stan Manstein, (laughs) and we brought him, and then we use him to kill Marvin Glass. I like that. I mean, fuck Marvin Glass, and I, I think I'm on board for this plan, but just for the record... I don't know if we killed Stan. Well, he's not here. I don't know that he died, but... He blipped out of existence, Keith. My task was to bring him back, and that is seems like an impossible task now. It seems like I failed to do that, so... Yeah, we'll just tell Marvin Glass that you're the man who killed Stan Manstein. I think before we do this, though, I would like to call the uh, quote-unquote FBI people back and just see what see what they say. Oh, the Phoebe? Because if you're talking about K-Cell... Was that an FBI thing, or do you know what that means? No, man, that wasn't FBI. Well, maybe come these on, maybe on. these people know what the K-Cell is. Maybe they're yeah. somehow affiliated with that. Do we know who the K-Cell worked for? It sounds like the K-Cell was doing the same kind of stuff we were doing, right? Except maybe yeah. they were more, I mean, 
prepared for it than we were. And if these FBI guys are... At the end of the day, we're still contention police officers. We're not... Well... We're, we're, I mean, maybe not anymore, but... I don't know but what I am. What do you think about just giving them a call? We don't have to meet up with them. We don't have to tell them everything we know, but I'd like to see what they think when we call them back. Because I think they're the ones that really made us knowledgeable about the weird shit that's going down. I mean, we saw it with our own eyes, but they're the ones that confirmed that it's happening. They're the ones who confirmed that somebody else knew about it. I don't see that they've helped us a damn at all. Well, they gave us the, the bag. I don't know if it helped. I mean, we could be helping them inadvertently, but you're right. I mean, or I'm right. <laughs> it seemed like they were at least offering the branch to help ourselves. What is the harm in calling them? And if we feel like we can't trust them, we just go about our business. We don't fuck with them. But I don't. I don't think there is a harm in calling them. But they might break some of the element of surprise if we if we're trying to do a a daring raid on Marvin Glasses. Well, we don't have to tell them that we're doing that. We. I'm saying just get in contact with them see what they have to offer and and we go from there we'll have to I have put no on objection to that we'll have to yeah we'll just have to put on our acting pants and make sure that they don't know that we know things about them that well, they Clark, don't know you, that we you know were, and... you were in theater in high school i remember <laughs> <laughs> i think maybe you should be the one to field the call oh no Whoever has the highest alertness, I need you to roll alertness for me. Read, read them off, guys. Can I get a couple, couple tens? I'm sorry, what Who was Who has it? the highest alertness? Alertness. Uh, 70. Ooh. All righty. Joe, go ahead and roll alertness for me. That's an 89. 89. <laughs> Continued speaking to your fellow police officers. Clark whips his head around every direction he can. <laughs> Uh, Clark does no such thing. Uh, yeah, so we call we call the FBI and we just see what they know. I mean the uh, the in heavy air quotes FBI. I say we give them a little bit of info, but we by no means tell them everything we know. Well, let's run that down real quick. Like, what do we what do we want? So we're going to be calling them that, and telling them that we failed. We. I mean, 48 hours has passed and we haven't neutralized the threat. Is that what we I should mean, lead with? Or I think so. And then maybe they'll, well, maybe, uh, if they, maybe we, you know, we found the threat was much bigger. I mean, both. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. It, it was something that there's no way we could have tackled in 48 hours had, even if we'd known. I mean, that's why they, that's why they said, if you finish it in 48 hours, good. Otherwise call us. Well, they may, might even so. still think that we're in contention dealing with that because i think we've moved on to bigger things we can pretend, outside of contention yeah, I mean, we can pretend to be still in contention when we call them i don't know if that'll do us any good i think we should just be straightforward with these people i don't know who the fuck they are but they're not marvin glass so i think they're probably better than what we're dealing with right now we're just that's the thing we're hoping they're not marvin glass well, i say be. we i say we feed them one I don't think they is. one major line instead of all the details and then see what their reaction is to it yeah. what is the major thing we talk to them about that we'll, we'll have to yeah we'll conduct the conversation with Suave and effortless. Yeah, but maneuvering I mean, we gotta, around. What, what's the what? What are we gonna? <laughs> we'll, we'll what say, are we gonna tell him? We'll say like we got that fool Marvin Glass. How do you feel about that? <laughs> and see how they react. Yeah, and then when they react appropriately, then we tell them we're, we're lying. lying. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, actually we don't have them, but we could really use your help. Well, if they're working for Glass, they would know we don't have Glass. But I, I get the, I get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> 
that you hear this absurd scream coming from on top of one of the crypts that is nearby and surrounding you and looking over you see this massive creature begin to materialize in front of you and it is a six and a half to seven feet tall creature with long limbs and it is gaunt and it has translucent skin and it is wearing a black suit and it looks at Clark Bishop in the eye and it says, hello, subject 152251819551818, please hand me the book, please. 